0: my name is mark madison and i am so very proud to have fujitsu general america as a sponsor at fujitsu they're focused on partnering with the best distributors and contractors to ensure that each fujitsu heating and cooling system brings infinite comfort to every end user today's guest nancy solomon the ceo and founder of the leadership incubator She's an experienced and inspiring leadership keynote speaker. Currently, she delivers high energy, inspiring, relevant and timely content to thousands of people in 85 countries. Passionate about helping people become the leaders they're born to be. Nancy deeply connects with the audience and engages them at a meaningful and sustainable level. Oh, yes. And she's a consultant and she's written a few books. Nancy, welcome. Well, good morning. This is Mark Madison on Books and People. Today we're privileged to have a special guest, Nancy Solomon. Good morning, Nancy. How are you?
1: Good morning, Mark. I am outstanding. How are you today?
0: I expect nothing less. I'm doing terrific. Thank you. Grateful to be on this side of the grass.
1: Isn't that so? As I was
0: preparing for this, I was thinking, how did we meet? Do you remember? No, because I was was thinking the same thing.
1: We did something with Dan Pointer, but I don't know how we got to that place.
0: I have no recollection at all. Were we in the same seminar that he was conducting and we met there? No, we met right before there and you brought me
1: along and it was great. Oh, okay. It was a great experience, but I have no idea. Yeah. He was an amazing guy. The heavens brought us together.
0: What's that? The heavens brought us together. I think so. Yeah. Dan was a special guy. He, he wrote 120 books, which is amazing in itself. And uh, mm-hmm. he was a great mentor for me. So you were, based on your accent, and of course I know this about you, you were born and raised in New York, right? I sure was, which,
1: which confuses borough? the heck out of people because then they say, well, you're in New York right now, right? And I say, no, actually West Coast. Right. And which borough? Brooklyn. I'm a Brooklyn girl. Spike Lee. You bet. It sure changed. Now you can't afford to even live there.
0: Oh, my god. I mean, when,
1: when we moved out of Brooklyn, it was uh, turning into what was fondly referred to back then as the ghetto. And right. now uh, it's just its gorgeous. It's absolutely a beautiful place to live.
0: It went through a very specific gentrification process. And now, like you said, it's Hipsville, USA. Yep. And the people in New York talk like this. How are you? Good? Good?
1: The How's your dog? How's your daughter? Talk...
0: <laughs> the only people,
1: Mark, who talk like that are people trying to imitate us. Right. We don't talk.
0: We don't Do we... talk.
1: Um, this is the Bronx, by the way. Oh, so when we okay. talk like this... Right, Fran Dresser. She, yeah, that's that's Queens. I mean, that's uh, the Bronx,
0: right? Yeah, subtle nuances between boroughs. <laughs> so, how did you get started
1: today? What's that? What are we going to talk about today?
0: We're going to talk about Nancy Solomon. So, what I want to know, and I'm sure listeners do too, how did you get started as a speaker?
1: Well. I'm trying to recall. I I wasn't always a speaker. I was in sales for 16 years. Okay, what did you sell? Clothing. Um, Last position was an international clothing company in North America. I was the VP of sales for um, this company when I was promptly fired. And uh, I'm sure I'm the only one on the call today that that's ever happened to. And decided to pull a do-over card I moved as far away from New York as I could get without getting wet, which was Seattle. And I'd always wanted to speak and have an impact and make a difference in people's lives. And I figured, okay, they were gonna pay me for an entire year and I could afford to just do what I wanted. And I think my first speaking gig, what was my first speaking gig? It was, oh, I remember. It was at a women's conference with seven people.
0: Wow. Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Standing room only.
1: <laughs> and I cut my teeth there, and that was uh, 28 years ago.
0: My first gig, it was two people.
1: That many? Were
0: yeah. You and you the, uh, the audio producer? <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, we've all been there. And I know a lot of people who want to become speakers um, think that we started in front of 3,000 people.
0: Right. And that's
1: just, you need to build the confidence and the repertoire and uh, the stories and technique and all those things that make you a great speaker.
0: Uh, it's that 10,000 hours or 10 years. In it was time. my German high school teacher who said to me, Mark, would you come talk to some kids at the high school? And I said, Susan, why would they care what I have to say? And she said, well, all these kids have been in tr- trouble for one reason or another. It's kind of a special class. And you got in a lot of trouble when you were here and you've turned your life around. So I think you have a good story. And, and that was, was literally my first talk. There was maybe 30 kids in the room.
1: And what'd you talk about?
0: Uh, I talked about goals and, and they liked it. And then my phone rang and it was the basketball coach. And he said, Hey, my point guard was in that class you spoke to. And he said, you should come talk to the kids, you know, the basketball team. You played here. He said, you know, what do you think? And I said, great. What do you want me to talk about? He goes, whatever you want. So I talked about goals and they liked it. And my phone rang and this woman said, I understand you're an inspirational speaker. I said, really? Who told you that? (laughs) The same kid, Steve. And she said, we can't pay your normal fee. All we have is $250. And I thought, for how many days, you know? (laughs) And she said, like an hour, 400 kids. I said, oh. So I prepared like crazy. So what was the first big audience that you talked to? How many people were there? Do you remember?
1: I do. It was at the Microsoft Women's Conference. And there were 860 people. Wow. And uh. Then I went on to speak at several more of their conferences and we were in uh, the thousand room, uh, the thousand seat room. And then we really literally did have standing room only. And um, that was really powerful. You said something I want to point out. You said you practiced a lot that you, you know, you worked your butt off to get, uh, make sure that this presentation was great. Right. And, for me the more i practice the more i know what i want to say almost by heart the better my presentation is because then i can relax right and so again for your listeners you know it takes a lot of practice to make it look like you it's spontaneous it's random thoughts Is there a
0: ratio? Oh, absolutely. Is there a ratio you use for every hour you speak to prepare like three or four or something along Uh,
1: those lines? Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, 15, 20. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: That's impressive.
1: Well, you know, the way I look at it is, let's say, you, you know, when we go back to being live and you have a thousand people in the room, so that's a thousand hours of human time you are consuming. Right. And so to me as a professional speaker, you need to give them everything you've got because that, I mean you can't get that time back. Right. And and for me, my goal is always to be the most memorable speaker they they have. Well, like I, I want to be the gold standard. I want to be the one that in five years from now they say this was a nice conference, but you remember when Nancy Solomon spoke? Right. And I know that you know, I know that you feel the exact same way. I mean, you are a really talented speaker. Oh. And that doesn't come by accident.
0: Stop. Well, I remember the quote from Jim Morrison. They asked him a a reporter from Rolling Stone asked him, "Why do you put so much into your concerts?" You know, he seems like you give it everything you have. And he said, "I never know when my last gig is going to be, so I give it everything I have." And that's I thought, cool. "Wow, yeah, that's profound." So, the last time we talked I, I I brought up a story and you claimed that you didn't remember but I'm gonna bring it up again now I was asked to speak to a distributor uh, in Portland I think it was the gentleman's name was Glenn he's since retired and he wanted me to come back a second year in a row which as you know doesn't happen all that often and so I said Glenn I'm booked I'm sorry I can't you know he said well can you recommend a speaker and I said well tell me what you're looking for so he described you know the intention, the objectives. And I said, well, I I know a woman who might just fit that bill. Would you be interested in talking to her? He said, absolutely. So I gave him your name and you spoke and you crushed it. He loved what you did. And the next thing I know, a week or two later, I get this handwritten note in the mail with a hundred dollar gift card from the painted table in Seattle, which is one of the nicest places to eat, at least certainly was back then. And I said to my wife, we're going out to dinner tonight to the painted table. And she said, ooh, that place is expensive. I said, not tonight. <laughs> and what that did for me personally, Nancy, is it made me realize how important the art of referrals are and how rewarding specific behavior that you want repeated is so important. And from that point on, and you, you, know, you didn't know this until we talked about it, Whenever somebody gives me a referral now, I always send them a handwritten note and a gift card. Nice. You know, where, did, where did that come from? Did, is that something you learned from your mother or just something that you do? I mean, where did that come from? Uh,
1: just being relational. You know, yeah. I, mean, I, I, nobody taught me that. Nobody said that now, now send him a referral fee and, or, you know, or a thank you and, right. and send him a note. It was just seemed like a really nice thing to do because I really appreciated the referral.
0: Right. And,
1: um, you know, I think we're going back to that kind of behavior. I think when we're post COVID, uh, that we're, 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 we're becoming so much more human now, Uh, bosses are having much more intimate conversations with their employees. Mm -hmm. Friendships are strengthening. I know for me, I I am spending more time with my friends now than I ever did in person.
0: Do you find yourself reaching out to old friends as well that you hadn't talked to in a while?
1: I sure do. I sure do. Um, And to Jim Morrison's point, uh, I just lost my mom. And Hmm. yeah, And uh, you just don't ever know what, like, what's the last conversation you're going to have? And what's the impact that you've left? And as you know, my big thing, my theme of of all my work is impact. Right. What did you come here to do? And are you getting it done? And so to hear from you, I don't know, that has to be 15, 20 years ago, that referral mark. Uh, To hear that I left an impact like that on you is so heartwarming to me. And I really appreciate you uh, relating the story back to me because I didn't remember until you reminded me.
0: Well, and here's the crazy part, but, you know, because no one does it, almost no one sends handwritten notes that when we do, it's so singular. It's so unique. You know, everybody sends a text or an email or a phone call, but nobody takes the time to write a handwritten note, let alone a gift card.
1: Well, I, uh, I found in my closet the other day in my office a folder with like a hundred cards that I must have purchased over the year, but nice things like, you know, know, congratulations, you just did X, Y, Z, or I'm so glad you're in my life. And I decided I'm going to make an attempt to send one out five days a week. Just send it out there. I think people need so much healing in their hearts right now. And so many people are stressed and I think a little note telling people you remember them uh, is very significant. And let's face it, a lot of us have a lot more time on our hands now because we're not traveling to see clients. We're not on an airplane. So what do you do with that spare time? Well, you make a difference.
0: What a great point. You know, it's a reminder uh, because I did that for a long time and then I got so busy, I stopped doing it. It's really (laughs) great advice. So let me ask you this. Who were your mentors coming up? Who were the, the women and the men that you looked up to?
1: Well, my mentors was from when I was much younger, my big mentors. And actually, I wrote about them in, in uh, my book. Um, one was Mr. Clancy, my chemistry teacher. And I'll just tell you a brief story. Uh, one day I was in class, and... There were these twins, identical twins, and they were gorgeous. And they were itty-bitty, teeny-tiny, right? Now, for those of you who don't know me, I'm 5'11". There's nothing tiny on my body, right? (laughs) And I would look at them with such admiration because – well, actually, envy – was more than average and I'd look at them because they were those little skinny hip huggers with the short shirts and they had flat tummies and I was I was totally envious of Uh. who they were and Mr. Clancy came up behind me and he must have seen me um he must have seen me admiring them right and he said to me you have a classic beauty That you will not notice for many years, but I want you to remember I said
0: this. Oh.
1: Right. And years later, years later, I reached out to him online and I thanked him. Yeah. And I thanked him because, you know, to me, it was all physical. Right. Like, I don't know where those girls are right now. Right. right? Or what they're happening. And I realized what he was saying was my internal beauty. Yes. My internal beauty is what would carry me far in life. And I kept thinking, for years, I said to myself, I wonder what that means. I wonder what he meant by that. Right. Right. So it's not something that I was absorbed with. I just, it just stood out. And then professionally.
0: um, But that, but that stuck. Oh, yeah. That, that single statement stuck Mm -hmm. and changed your life. Yep.
1: And he had no idea when I spoke to him. He had no, he had no recollection of having said it to me. Right. Right. Um, and then I think about mentors. Well, Oprah, she's mm. definitely a mentor to me. She doesn't know that, right? But she is. Um, Jennifer Lopez is a mentor mm. of mine. Again, mm. doesn't know it, but she is. Right. In terms of uh, speaking, uh, Stan
0: Horn. You know mm, what I'm I don't. I don't know that. I don't know. Sam she, Horn. It's a she. She. Uh, I don't know her.
1: She, you should look it up. She just published a book called uh, Someday Isn't a Day of the Week. And she wrote Tung Fu. She's very, very clever. And I often, when I'm writing a speech or I'm writing a blog, I'll say, what would Sam tell me to do? And I'm going to offer this to your audience because it really has changed my approach to many things. Sam says, leave out the words no one's going to read.
0: Hmm.
1: And also, when you're speaking, leave out the words that nobody wants to listen to. In right. let get to the point. And that has literally changed uh, my writing and speaking style.
0: Simplify. Mm hmm. Edit it down.
1: Mm hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> leave out the words no one wants to read. That's really good. Uh, that's kind of like I'd have written you a shorter letter if I'd have had more time. <laughs> that's a good one.
1: Well, we all know, you know, tracking it back to speaking, we know it's much harder, at least right. for me, right. to write a 10-minute, you know, ditty that in front for an audience than it is uh, an hour well, I Well,
0: I got, I got paid one time in advance to do a 90-minute talk for a distributor in the Midwest. And sometimes as these events go, I was the closing speaker, and everyone that was presenting about their new products went long with their PowerPoint. As each person went long, the client turned to me and goes, "You know, I think we're you're only going to have an hour." I said, "Okay." And so I started scratching. I had my outline. I started scratching stuff off. And he turns to me and goes, "You know, I think it's going to be 45 minutes." And finally, he goes, "You know, I think it's only going to be 30 minutes. We're we're only going to have 30 minutes." I said, "You know what? I'll tell you what. I've already been paid. I just won't speak at all. Uh, you know, and you know, we you guys can go as long as you want." He goes, "Whoa! No! 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 Don't, don't do that!" <laughs> it's like, well. Do you have any idea how hard 15 or 20 or 30 minutes is? That's, it was Winston Churchill that said, if you want me to talk for 15 minutes, I'll need three weeks to prepare. But if you want me to talk all day, I can start right now. Right? And so- I I never heard that quote. That's a really good one. Well, it's so true because it's like, wait a minute, what am I going to leave out? 15, 20, 30 minutes, that's hard. Hour and a half, two hours, piece of cake.
1: You know, it's funny you should say that. First of all, to me, that is every speaker's nightmare. Right. Right. Because, again, we have prepared for, in my case, 20 hours. Right. And now you're going to tell me to leave all this stuff out. Sure. And, like, do you want me to leave out the first point, the middle, the end? Like, what, what do you want me to leave out? Right. This happened to me two years ago. One of the giant tech companies here in Seattle had me come in for a whole day. And I was going to do three different presentations, two uh, workshop type of things, and a keynote in the middle. By the way, don't ever do that. Right. Just three entirely different uh, programs in one day was as stupid of me to say yes, which I later spoke to them about, but be that as it is. Uh, five days before, they said, you're not going to have an hour plus Q&A, you're going to have 45 minutes. Mm. And in hindsight, I looked back and I actually debriefed with them and said, you know, you don't do that to a speaker. Right. Because I've already spent five weeks preparing these three pieces of information. So I would hit it out the park with your audience. And so here is my advice to anybody who's starting out. When you sign an agreement for an hour, you need to say to them, now you're sure you can give me an hour. Right. Let's confirm it's an hour. And that's not going to be cut back because if it is, I need to know now so right. I can prepare and be a memorable speaker for your audience. Right, so it's right. preemptive, right?
0: Absolutely. And you're creating the expectations. You're drawing a line in the sand. Mm-hmm. Now, who are your primary audiences now? You mentioned several corporations. Uh, is it primarily women? Uh, who are your audiences?
1: Okay. I have two audiences. I have women only, about advancing women in leadership, especially now, especially now with what's happening with the racial um, justice problem that we're having in this country. There's this whole segment of women that need to bind together. And my second audience are corporate audiences with a, a big focus on companies that are male focused, so tech, IT banking, construction, uh, insurance, companies that usually have a predominantly male uh, population and employees. Right. So it's two different things. It's the same message. It's just it's the same message. Because when we're on purpose, our message is our message. We don't change our message for our audience. Right. And so if you said come in and talk about uh, air conditioners, I'd, I'd turn you down. I'd call you up and say, I have a referral for you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but see even even though I talk to a lot of manufacturers, distributors and contractors and associations in HVAC uh, I don't talk about the technical side of it I talk about the people side of it right the soft skills right and that's where my sweet spot is so so that's a nice segue into the next question uh, what was the best piece of business advice you ever received uh, action
1: action take action. I can talk something to death. I can think about it. I can, you know, you know, ask 57 people what they think. Is this a good idea? And I talk about it. And so by the time I get into action, 10 people have already done it. Or 110 people. So for me, getting up every morning and knowing exactly what action I am going to take um, has changed my business and changed my life.
0: Mm. The road to hell is paved with good intentions.
1: That's right. That's right. And I also, um, I started learning from other people a lot more. You know, I'm a, a, like you, an avid reader. I cut out an hour to two hours every day, seven days a week for learning. Yeah. Yeah. So that could be webinars. It could be books. It could be uh, reading articles, uh, reading uh, HBR from cover to cover. So right. I know what the trends are. And that was another thing that I learned from um, two mentors in particular who just teach, uh, here's what you do. Like, it's great that you know the purpose and you, you have your mind set down. But now go out and do it.
0: Right. I watched a TED Talk this morning from a guy named Anthony Medivere, and he, he, he said the two most important or easily remembered questions the silent negative thoughts. Are these thoughts useful? And how do they behave? And nice. as I started thinking about that, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, that's a you know a 13 minute TED talk, but two profound questions. And I'm like you, you know, I read I read a couple hours. Well, I read 50 pages a day. That's always that's always my goal. I try to write three pages every day, and I try to read 50. And so that gives me whether that takes an hour. Like right now, I'm reading Howard Zinn's book, uh, The History of the Peoples of the United States. It's this little 720 page, you know. <laughs> home with yeah. minus 2 font uh but it's amazing and sad and horrible and terrible christopher columbus came to this country you know and Chris in 1492 christopher columbus sailed the ocean blue yeah and then he wiped out an entire tribe of uh native americans called the arawaks it's like what i never learned about genocide in history no so no. it's uh it was recommended by a friend of mine and i just can't put it down it's um uh, it's unsettling and it's but, it, it, you know, it, it's the history that we never learned. So, yeah, I'm like you. I'm a pretty serious student. So action is the key. Is taking... Action is the
1: key. But you know what? You go back and, and repeat that quote from the TED Talk, if you would, because I didn't catch the whole thing, and it impacted me.
0: Would you mind? Yeah. yeah. He says, when you find yourself in the midst of negative thoughts and emotions, right? And they're your thoughts, Right. We, we all have 60,000 thoughts a day, and according to UCLA's Brain Institute, 75% of those are negative, right? So, and that's the normal person, right? So, when you find yourself in the midst of those negative thoughts, ask yourself, stop, you say stop, and then ask yourself, are these thoughts useful? Are they helping me or hurting me, right? And then, yeah. so because, because I'm not my thoughts, right. because they have so many of them. We have to stop from time to time and say, is this helping or hurting, right? Are they useful? To that point, two
1: things. I am known, as you know, for my Solomonisms, my quotes. So number 217 is, don't believe everything you think.
0: Right. What a
1: great quote. And we have on our whiteboard in our office a a question, and it says, is this clean thinking? Right. Which is our equivalent. So... If I'm having a thought, is this is this the most positive, uplifting, with promise, or am I just going back into my history to re- retrieve some awful thought so I can feel bad about myself and not take action?
0: If I treated my friends the way I treat myself, I wouldn't have any. Yeah. Right. So
1: wait, we're I, we're sounding so profound today, but these things, these simple, simple things. Uh, are not always easy, right. but they are very beneficial uh, for us to get what we want in life and make the contribution that
0: we came here to make. Simply profound and profoundly simple. Who said then, that? I, I did. That's one of my books. <laughs> I've written that I don't know how many times in various ebooks. Uh, so the second, the second question was how do they behave? How do those thoughts behave? In other words, what, what actions do those thoughts lead me to? Right?
1: I love so, that. I'm writing that
0: down. I know. I wrote it down because uh, the palest ink is better than the strongest memory. So I just don't want to forget, you know, when I hear something you and, and like you, you know, in addition to reading, I journal, I write every day. But I but I watch YouTube videos. I watch TED Talks. Uh, you know, I listen to audio. I, I listened to on the way to Chelan last week in Spokane. I listened to a new audio book by Kevin Hart, the comedian. And it was a, it was five and a half hours of self-help advice. It was fantastic.
1: Really, it was so good.
0: Now he swears a lot, and that's not you know for for a lot of people, they might found his language offensive. I don't, but uh, but it was the nuggets. You know, it was the gold that was dropping out. It was like, oh my gosh! It's so, he called. He he characterized something called sponginess. You know, and he said you just need to be a sponge. You need to absorb things from the different people that you work with, and that. That's in a you know kind of in alignment with my philosophy of you would be the same person in five years, but for two things, books and people, people and books. So we want to be a sponge in those areas uh, as we move towards our objectives. So my next question: um, What qualities in people do you most admire?
1: Compassion and empathy.
0: Hmm. Wow. That's
1: because awesome. you could be you could be the poorest and i mean financially poorest person in the world but in my experience if you have compassion and empathy for other humans then you you're as rich as you could possibly be
0: yeah
1: and i think we're going to see a lot more conversation about that now with this situation in our country between the pandemic and the civil unrest and working remotely we are going to see a lot more people Reaching out. So, if there's a silver lining of this tragedy, I think, and by the way, the tragedy is the pandemic, not Black Lives Matter, just right. for clarity. We have a, uh, I call it the leadership trifecta. So, the work I do starts with mindset, goes to skill set, and then ends with action set. But the mindset is the foundation. So to your point, what, what do I admire most about people? People who have compassion. Because when you have compassion and empathy, you have everything.
0: Right. Walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. I reread uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which was, in 1982, the first self-help book I ever read. I got it at a garage sale for 50 cents. I mean, 50. I mean, 50 cents, right? I mean, just... It was so just like only a half a dollar. Okay, here you go. Right. And that right. Book literally changed my life. I, and I went through audio cassette, CD. Now I have it on audible and after re-listening to it recently, I came to the conclusion if you could define, you know, one word to describe that book, it's empathy. So to your point, it's like, Oh my gosh. And I don't know about you, but when I just got the little signals thing, we've got 10 minutes, so we're almost out of time. Uh, I believe women have much more empathy than men do. I think men can be empathetic, but we have to work at it harder. I think it comes more naturally to women. Do you agree with that? Oh,
1: do I have to answer that? No. I do. I do. Right. I, but I think that there are, two, um, there are two reasons for that. One is women are socialized from the time right. they're born to be relational and have empathy. Right? Yes. But it's also, there's a difference in the male and the female brain, which a lot of people will argue there is no difference. But science tells us there is. And it, women can access feelings in their brain much quicker and much easier than men.
0: I, I totally see that.
1: And, but I look at somebody like you. No, no, let me take that back. I look at you, Mark. And you have a great deal of love in your heart and empathy. And I think that's probably one of the first things that stood out to me. Because even though neither of us can remember how we met, right. I do remember you saying, I'm going to have dinner and then go to a workshop with Dan Pointer. And you did think it was pretty funny. I didn't know who this man was. Mm. And you invited me along and you shared. You shared. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so there are exceptions. My son has a lot of empathy.
0: Yeah. Again,
1: he was raised to look after other people. So.
0: Right. Yeah, my middle son is that way too, and just deep levels of empathy, and it's like, oh, it's so great because he's an imposing figure. He's like six seven and two seventy five, and former professional basketball player, bodybuilder, and you know, he's an imposing figure, but he's this gentle soul and this this good heart. So because we're running out of time, I will have one last question for you. How would you like to be remembered? What kind of legacy do you want to leave?
1: Wow. I want people to look back and say that any interaction with me made them feel better about themselves, that they recognized how powerful they were and the kind of potential they had. And they gave themselves permission to do that because of the work they did with me.
0: Oh, that's great. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said, "I plucked a thistle and planted a rose where I thought it would grow," mm. and that's what I'm hearing you say. That
1: gave me goosebumps.
0: I know it's such a great quote. I could stay <laughs> up all night and not think of that. That's why I give props to Abe. Well, okay, la- okay. One more question: How does somebody get a hold of you, a, uh, to speak, and then b one of your books?
1: Okay let's start with the website. My website is theleadershipincubator.com. And if you think of those words, talk about intentionality. You know, I bring people into the fold, into an incubator, and they come out as a leader. So that's it. My email is nancy at theleadershipincubator.com. And the book I want to speak to is called Impact, What Every Woman Needs to Know, to go from invisible to invincible and I want to say something to all the men listening to this every principle in the book applies to you as well right but by the time I realized it I'd already signed a contract for a woman's book so right. just take the cover off and read it or listen to it
0: well you know we're we're a lot alike neither of us is wearing makeup today That's so true so, and I know uh,
1: how good you look in makeup.
0: Oh, we're more alike than we are different. I have to have a lot more makeup because, you know, I don't have a forehead anymore. I have a 12 head, but, you know, so there's that.
1: <laughs> this has been so much fun, which is what you had so promised. So
0: much fun. I, You know, and the thing is, it's not, this is just a, it's like, this wouldn't be any different than you and I sitting at a coffee shop saying, so how's it going? What have you been up to? And that's what I've tried to do in, with these podcasts is, is number one, interview people of substance and, and rich content and character, and then be somebody that I genuinely enjoy spending time with. So, and you're certainly in that category. So, Nancy. I thank you for that. Well, you know, your future's so bright, it burns my eyes, you know. <laughs> Did anybody ever tell you you're corny? I am. I got that from my father along with my, his hairline. So, you know, it all works out. Uh, I had one client, I'll leave you with this thought. I had one client say, Mark, I really like your self defecating humor. And I knew what he meant. Uh, (laughs) and as the women in the South would say, bless his heart. So,
1: you know, they still say that down there.
0: I know they'll say that boy's an idiot. Bless his heart. And when I realized that, I said, Oh my God, you can say anything about anybody. As long as you ended with bless his heart. That's right. i was in charlotte not long ago and i guess back in september october
1: and uh charlotte everybody there says bless your heart and they call you baby
0: yes i love being called baby i know they do that in new orleans too they call everybody baby and sugar hey sha you know (laughs) hey baby and it's like it's so i don't know it's one of my favorite cities as well i like charlotte and north and new orleans well nancy thank you so much uh God bless you, and, and I appreciate you making the time out of your busy schedule to, uh, to talk today.
1: Thank you so much for the invitation and for your compelling questions.
0: Yeah, You have any questions for me before we go?
1: I don't. Well, yeah. Okay. How do you want to be remembered?
0: Uh, well, you know, I've already got the tombstone written. Uh, it's going to say, I told you I was sick.
1: <laughs> it is not.
0: No, I'm kidding. <laughs> It goes back to the Lincoln quote, you know, I, I plucked a thistle and planted a rose where I thought it would grow. I want to make a difference in people's lives. And I look at every interaction as a chance to, you know, to find out where they are, where they want to go, and then give them the tools they need to get there. So, yeah, that's, well uh, I'm a coach, really. I mean, you know, and you boil it all down. I just happen to be a speaker and a writer and a consultant and all those other things that we define our work life by. So, Yeah. Well, listen, make it a great day unless you have other plans. And I know we'll talk soon. Bye-bye now. Thanks. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Fujitsu General America. And like this podcast, they're focused on education and development. From the day they sold their first comfort system in North America, they've been unwavering in their focus on training. It doesn't matter if it's application, installation, or service. A better trained technician brings better value to the homeowner. So when you're looking for infinite comfort, think Fujitsu. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at success.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website www.sparkingsuccess.net And remember, make it a great day, unless you have other plans.